0: Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know, to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader.
1: Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. Your chance to get a proven practical idea in less than 30 minutes that will help you run a more successful and sustainable business or even team. Our guest today, he's genuinely likable. There's not many people that meet this guy and come away thinking anything other than he's a nice guy. As a leader, he cares deeply about others. He is appropriately patient, and that is not something that most leaders are good at in an appropriate way, but he is. He is extremely passionate about his team being successful and being winners. I've discovered he's flexible, and I will also say that of... All of my guests that I've had now on over 50 of these podcasts, he is the first and foremost enthusiast for the Bundesliga Soccer Federation. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about his favorite team as we introduce him to you. But he is Andy Gruber, CEO of Pay By Phone in Vancouver, Canada. Andy, welcome to the Ed Eppley experience.
2: Thank you, Ed, and thanks for having me.
1: Well, my pleasure. It's been it's been a journey to get you on, and you are speaking to us from your home. Where, where is Canada in the pandemic recovery? What's going on there?
2: You know, vaccination vaccination is a big topic like everywhere at the moment, and um, Canada is, is is trying as hard as they can to get mm-hmm. their hands on as much vaccination as possible. Um, but they've uh, in BC they've adopted the the similar strategy than UK. Where you focus very much on getting a first shot into into everybody's arm as quickly as possible and do the second shot later. So by June, hopefully in B C every 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 person who needs a vaccine should have had at least one shot, which is of course something we're very much looking forward to. And have you had your first? No, nope, not yet. Not yet. That's still the okay. other way way to go. June probably. Okay. So you
1: would get yours in June. Okay. Fran and I have both had our first ones and I'm scheduled this week to get my second. She's got a couple of weeks to get hers, but Ohio has been pretty aggressive on that front. We're doing pretty well. So we're, we're fortunate.
2: Do you recall when you and I met? Yeah, I was thinking in preparation of our podcast, it must've been probably around 2005, I would say. Was Um, it in the U.S.? It was either the U.S. or was it Singapore? I'm not sure. One of the two, I think it might've been even Singapore. Wow. So that was my first,
1: (laughs) my first foray over. Overseas. Marcus Helfrich was was he in the room? Do you remember if he Yes, was he there? was in the room. Well then it was that that was where it was was in Singapore. Wow. That was uh That was a very interesting session. It was. Because it it was very experimental. It was, can this work outside of the United States? And I guess it proved that it did. You've been on quite a journey since then. So would you tell the audience a little bit about, uh, you can start from the beginning, because you
2: joined BMW out of university, did you not? Yes, absolutely. I started uh, in the UK, working for BMW Financial Services in the UK. Then I moved to Munich head office. And then when we met around that time, I had moved to Singapore, where originally the plan was to to be three years in this sort of regional head office. But after one year, I was given the opportunity then to move on to Australia to head up the sales and marketing services function. And... And uh, and work and who was your boss then? And work uh, in the regional head office already, and then in Australia <laughs> was Alan Crooks, who obviously was on I your thought. on your show before. Uh, <laughs> Alan, uh, a, a fantastic mentor to me and a real influence on, on me as a leader. And so you that. you went to Australia. Then what was next? So after Australia, I uh, went back to Munich uh, BMW head office, where I was responsible for uh, the international markets on the sales and marketing side. So that was uh, interesting places like the middle. East, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, really, really fantastic uh, places. Um, After that, I went then to the UK, back to the UK, full certain, where I headed up the Alfera Financial Services business, which was interesting because Alfera Financial Services business within BMW is responsible for all financial services that are not bmw so financing your Fords and your Hondas and your Toyotas—that was my my baby in the UK. And uh, I had a great team there and uh, really great time. Great time.
1: Then the when then when did you leave BMW?
2: That was after after An opportunity presented itself to to head up the global strategy function at uh, at, at Volkswagen Financial Services. And uh, after a lot of thinking, I decided to to take the opportunity. And then we moved to Northern Germany. Um, and interesting enough, Ed, actually moving to Northern Germany was actually almost a bigger cultural shock than moving to any of the other places before, because as a, as a boy from Southern Bavaria, from Bavaria, Southern Germany, uh, Northern Germany is, is a different place and it's unexpectedly different. And that was the one that, that really sort of got me. Took me a few months to adjust. Well,
1: having great amounts of Germanic blood in my uh, veins, can you explain the difference between high German and low German? Is there a, is that register at all with you? Is that something that, that is, are are there different dialects within Germany? The high
2: German is basically the equivalent to Queen's English uh, in in Germany. Uh, So that's a proper German. And then you have a lot of dialects uh, like Bavarian dialects or, you know, Plattdeutsch, which is like almost like Dutch. Uh, So it's a very, a lot of different dialects. Well, I'm sure my family would have been low. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm
1: pretty Absolutely. sure we would have been one of the dialects and not the Queen's English or Queens, Queen's German, if you will. Thank you for that clarification. You know, not many people that I know have seen the inside of two class organizations automotively like, like you have. How would you describe the difference in culture between Volkswagen and BMW?
2: It's it's very interesting. Um, firstly, sort of on on the on the surface, VW financial services is less formal. So BMW is still quite old school that way, a bit more formal. VW is is not quite uh, to that standard. But um, is that by choice? It's. Do you think that's by choice or? I think it's just almost almost a result of the product as well. You know, like the people's car. You know, you actually by definition you're closer to the people versus, of course, BMW is is is, is building great, fantastic. Luxurious cars that have a certain target segment as well. So I think it's almost by choice of product as well. But beyond that, it's also how how the OEMs steer their financial services divisions. So there's much more control at, at BMW, much more centralization of BMW. BMW Financial Services has higher degrees of freedom. Uh, when it comes to things like IT, but also when it comes to things like HR, there's there's a more of a separation of duties, whereas much more centralization at, at BMW, as I said. So it's a different way of, of 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 working. I find it very interesting that
1: the brands are in the even the marketing, the advertising that you see for both companies are highly reflective of what you just described. My first car was, I think, a 67 or 68 Beetle. Yeah, and and loved that car. That was such a wonderful car for, for a first car. So it's bringing back fond memories to to even think about how it was viewed at that time in the United States. When did you first know you wanted the responsibility of being a
2: CEO? I think it was a bit weird that way, Ed. Uh, I never really woke up uh, every morning and say, I want to be a CEO. I wanted to always have a role where I could have an impact and, and make a difference. And I was lucky enough to have that outside of the CEO context. Um, When I was running Alfera, I had a high degree of freedom there, almost like a sort of CEO job. Um, when I was running global strategy for VW Financial Services, I worked closely with the CEO and was able to, to help shape uh, some of the strategic discussions there. So I, I was actually happy. However, when I was approached about this phone opportunity, uh, I have to admit, I did fall in love with PayPerPhone a little bit beforehand because I was a part of the supervisory board at PayPerPhone and I got to know the team, I got to know the business. Which I found very exciting: parking, mobile payments, the, the contact with the cities, uh, the the technology through an app, uh, millions of users, and when that was presented to me, that's the one. The the moment I knew actually. Yeah, that would be really fantastic, and uh, I was lucky enough to actually get the job, and and here I am in Vancouver now. Uh, Shame on me. I did not give our audience the benefit of understanding
1: who pay-by-phone is. Why don't you describe the industry and the space in which the company plays, just to make sure everybody knows
2: that. Yeah, absolutely. So PayByPhone is a, a company that provides as a main product, a, a parking app that allows you to pay for parking through your mobile. So you don't have to run to your meter. You can extend while you enjoy your second uh, cup of coffee. And the beauty of that business, it's, it's really international. We, are, we have one app that runs in, I think it's now 13 countries globally. Uh, we have one platform that drives that one app. And so you can use your your app to pay for parking in Paris, in London, or in San Francisco. Uh, so that's uh, uh, that's that's a great thing to also have exposure to some of the greatest cities in the world when it also comes to smart mobility topics, and sh- also being involved there, shaping some of the discussions uh, around around where the future is heading, around mobility. Um, and um, and one thing is clear: mobility will be. Driven more and more by by the cities, right? So the mobility strategies, how people move around, will be driven locally by the cities, and and we have great working relationships with some of the greatest cities in the world, and that's that's uh, that's really fantastic.
1: Is the business, or the, I should say, is the market growing? Is there is there a, an increasing demand for being able to manage? Payments by cities via a
2: technology service like this. Hundred percent. We see uh, we see huge pent up demand for our service at the moment. It, people, I think, are almost longing to go and park freely again after COVID. And uh, and I, I would expect you know our previous growth rates uh, growth rates were always between thirty and forty percent uh, year on year. I would uh, expect that to really increase quite a bit after COVID. So I,
1: I'm I'm getting a a question in my mind about you know you've gone from a Arguably, it was not a traditional banking, but it was still a financial services organization, in many cases constrained by rules and regs that go along with banking. And now you're in this wild new arena uh, with mobility and, and technology. Is it as different as I think it is, or are, are the similarities a lot higher than not. I, I'm thinking that the kind of business you're in now is a, a bit more, we have to figure things out because they've never been done before. Whereas in financial services, it's like what it's just reinventing all that every, you know, it's just a
2: variation of something that already exists. Yeah. And, um, there are different aspects to that, right? So at the end of the day, there was, um, when I arrived, I approached it as sort of the traditional CEO job that I had visions and had seen and observed uh, from from many of my mentors and and the leaders I've worked with, and and uh, and suddenly it. it turned out to be a slightly different gig than I expected. Uh, actually, the whole understanding, of course, the importance of, of technology on any decision-making process, understanding the skills you really need to have a, have a, have a good, well-performing team to, to, to actually execute on the strategy that you decided, were things that, that I did learn probably the hard way. Uh, and uh, and uh, I did have, of course, several blind spots that 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 needed to be patched up very quickly, as well as we sort of went on our growth journey. So so you're right, it was, of course, a very and it is still such a very different uh, animal, a dynamic uh, technology company versus a a settled, really established and mature financial services company, hugely different
1: if If you could have a do over in thinking about your time at pay by phone and i i don't want to you know put you in a bad spot or I certainly don't want to name any names, but if you could do something different what 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 might it be now that you you have a chance to think about? you know, what you know now versus what you didn't know
2: when you got into this role? Two aspects. I probably would have focused on the team, uh, sorting out sort of the team, getting the team right sooner, Uh, but also I would have paid uh, even more attention to the technology that we're working with. So those are the two things that it would change probably. So just like make sure the team is right and then make sure the technology is Uh, right. Is the team ever right you know, I
1: I I hope you you follow what my question is. Is that the as the business continues to evolve and change, and as the market continues to morph, um, my guess is that that you know you, your your pursuit of being a great team has to that what the team needs to do to continue to respond to the marketplace needs to change. So, uh, I, my sense is the work's never done. Is that? accurate
2: uh, it is accurate it is accurate and uh, and it, as a technology company you go through different stages and you have you will need different leadership almost uh, at each of, of these stages right but um when i was uh, sort of referring to getting the team right it was getting the team right for the two three four years that that were clear we're going to follow right and uh, and make sure that you have the experience, the maturity, and the skill set in the team that, that you really needed to to succeed. You've been
1: working with people in a variety of different countries, locations. So the question that also pops into my head is, do you have to make much allowance for cultural differences in what you do as a leader from country to country or is it fundamentally pretty similar regardless of the country great leadership is still
2: great leadership in principle i think great leadership is great leadership however in order to understand your team members position problems issues you i think do need to really pay attention to the cultural context where people are coming from what what environment they're working in so i think you really do have to be adaptive you know in a way to to make sure you you understand your, your 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 team members properly and, and, and kind of work effectively with them based on that understanding. That's really important. What about
1: generationally? Do you feel like you have to do something different with people now, you know, as you start to become the older person in the room? And trust me, it gets worse. So I'm not suggesting you're anywhere near that. But, but, but do you feel that generationally you've started to have to make allowances or differences?
2: Yeah, hugely so, hugely so. Um, I think that the, the cry for purpose of course, especially for millennials, it's, it's it's so important, right? Why are we even getting out of bed every day? Give me a reason to come to work for you. Show me why why I should be working for you and not for another company, right? So that is definitely something that that is a is a constant battle a constant fight, uh, and uh, requires uh, actually clear leadership on that front as well, right? And and people people are you know. Our younger colleagues can be very ruthless in calling you out as well if if it's not clear, right? And uh, that's also something you need to you need to just uh, you know work through and and listen uh, because actually often there can also be of course very good points there and so but there's definitely that cry Absolutely. for purpose is one of the key things hundred percent.
1: I always ask my guests to share some of the good and bad lessons they've been exposed to from other leaders, bosses that they've worked with. I'm not interested in names, but from each side of the ledger, is there a particular lesson that you, that you think about frequently that, you know, that
2: that this is something I need to remember to do or not to do? Absolutely. I think one, one, one of the things I've learned from, from the great mentors is, is, is the fact that you have to be as a leader also approachable right you have to be there for people you have to understand your people you have to have your door that's what i learned for me needs to be open people need to feel comfortable to come to you and and, and raise issues ask questions etc so i think that's that's a very important uh, to me and, and something that i hold very very dearly the other one is i think being also courageous you know taking the decisions that need to be made the people look at look to you and if you as a leader don't don't take those decisions you know um you know they will lose confidence actually not only in you but in the entire company right so be courageous take the decisions people that need to be made um, and the other one is actually be, be inspiring and be clear about your strategy, right? I think make strategy a topic and, and, and make it transparent to people. What it is that you're trying to do and, and give that clarity to the team. I think that's really, really important. And I've seen this done in many different ways, but I also have seen it not done. And if it's not done, I think that then you just create a lot of confusion, a lot of questions within the team. So that's already now obviously tipping over to the bad. And I think. As a leader, also accepting low performance and not setting the bar at the right level, I think is also something that, that the team will pick up on. And I think we really need need to avoid or try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah. And then just, again, come back. You know, don't drag out decisions that need to be made, that everybody knows need to be made. Just make them. <laughs> We've had a few conversations
1: about those kinds of situations in our time together. You know, you've you've run a large business within a large organization and you've... Are now running a relatively smaller organization, comparatively speaking, to some of the other entities of which you've been a part. Do you think one is more simple? Is it because it's smaller? Is it simpler to make progress in a an organization the size that you're in, or is that a fallacy?
2: Look, in the end of the day, you could almost phrase it a little bit like: Is it is it easier to run a sort of stable business, uh, also like a dynamic sort of ever changing business, right? And, and I think the, the danger and the challenge is actually that I don't think they're really... Right. I don't think a thing like a stable business actually exists in today's world, right? So everybody is in the middle of a transformation, whether they realize it or not, right? Everybody will have to change, right? So I do think that actually changing an organization... Is easier with a technology company that actually is about constant change, about the next iteration of your product, about trying to push the boundaries, providing a better user experience, uh, versus a, a really successful mature uh, in the in in my background financial services business that 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 has no real impulse to change, and I think yeah. that one. Talking about a leadership challenge—that's a real leadership challenge, right there.
1: Uh, That—that's astute. As soon as you said it, it was like, "Duh, yeah," because the inertia is so great in a financial services business. It's—it's it's so much as just legacy work and processes and systems, and trying to make change in that environment is, uh, oftentimes, it feels like you're pushing that rope up the hill. It's just like, this is no fun. This is—this is not something I want to do. That, that makes a whole lot of sense. Tell our audience about Bayer, and I'm going to see if I can say this right, Bayer Leverkusen?
2: Le- <laughs> okay. No, 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 okay. no, 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 Ed, Ed, please. It's, Bayer of Munich. course, okay. Bayern Munich. Bayer Leverkusen is actually a company that's like a uh, football so club not that's owned by they're Bayer, the, same. Okay. the farmer company. I was trying to do some homework. Not okay. the same. So Bayern Munich Bayern Munich is, is obviously the team it's uh, it's it's uh, yes. the reds you know from from Bavaria that obviously clearly are the best <laughs> clearly, football team clearly. in the clearly. world <laughs> sorry soccer team <laughs> clearly they have actually the officially best football player in the in in the rows which is a guy called Robert Lewandowski a Polish player uh, very lucky to have him and it's like yeah that was by birth always my my club from my day one born into this into this into this world uh Bayern Munich was my team and and I was lucky enough to have a have been born into a very successful team so obviously they've been winning quite a lot of things last, last this year last year the champions league uh, even uh, so the best team in Europe and in the world right now officially so yeah it's uh, I can talk about this one for a very long time, Ed.
1: Do you watch the games in Vancouver? Are you that kind of a fan that you still follow them even when you're where where you are across the
2: the pond, as it were? Yeah, it's per- it's actually even perfect. It's in the morning. I can get up before the house gets up 6.30 in the morning, watch my football game, hopefully happy because they won and then uh, start my day, which is really great.
1: A lot of our audience, I would guess, has not been to Vancouver. What What do you like about living in that
2: area? Vancouver is a, a highly recommend uh, recommended uh, place to visit if you haven't been it's it's beautiful in the, in the combination i live live close to th- close to the sea and from here i can drive 20 minutes to to ski uh, in a actually a good ski hill which is amazing and um and it's the combination of of city life and uh, amazing nature that combination is very very rare and it's uh, a beautiful city it's a beautiful it a, beautiful city it's and been- um, All right, what's the downside? If you have a business in in Vancouver, and if you run a technology company, there's a huge downside because... For American companies, Vancouver has become a bit of a hotspot because of exchange rates, disadvantages, and salaries being a bit cheaper here. Amazon, Microsoft, all the Apple, all the big companies are coming to to, to Vancouver, Shopify. And there's an enormous war for talent right now waging in in Vancouver. So that that is, from a business point of view, uh, uh, actually becoming a real challenge. From a personal life point of view, at the moment, Vancouver is about 12 hours away, 13 hours drive away from... From Alberta which is the big next big city. Normally we would have two hours by car to Seattle. I've been sort of saying it almost is reminding me I grew up very close to the Czech border uh, in Bavaria and um, when I grew up it was the the Iron Curtain and that was almost the end of the world. There was nothing beyond that and for the last year it almost felt a little bit like that when it came to the south border here with, with the U.S. There is no life on the other side you cannot get there. Seattle is so close but you literally have no access. So the isolation in Vancouver is great from a COVID management point of view, but it's something that that, uh, that I find not easy at times. Yeah. When we
1: see travel restrictions become more regular and normal as they have been in the past, it would be a great place for anybody to visit. I will warn you, depending upon the time of day, traffic can be a little tough, but it's well worth it because it's a wonderful place and and great people and great cuisine cuisine and, and lots to do. We have to wrap up Andy. So as always, I ask my guests as a final question, what's that one thing that if uh, I, as a boss, a president, a CEO or a, a manager, if I want to run a more successful organization, one that's more sustainable over the long term, what's that
2: one thing I better do? Focus on getting your team, right? Focus on your team. Be there for your team. Focus on your team. Everything else will, will happen. If you have the right people around you, everything else will happen. The magic will happen, but focus on the team. He's Andy Gruber. He's the CEO of PayByPhone in Vancouver,
1: Canada. Andy, if people would want to reach out to you to, to ask questions or
2: uh, follow up on anything you've shared with me today and the audience, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? And Just via, via email, I think, would be the easiest. And The email address is andy at paybyphone.com. Very straightforward and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Thank you as always, my friend.
1: Our conversations are always entertaining, delightful. It was again today. So thank you
2: for your time. And thank you, uh, Ed. And it's sort of really uh, quite amazing that uh, you know my leadership journey really started with you back 2005 in Singapore. And to be uh, today here on this show is, is really quite something. So thank you for the invite and look forward to our continuous chats and, uh, and your mentorship as I continue my journey as well. So thank you. You're very welcome.
0: Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's the Epley, E-P-P-L-E-Y, group.com. Plus, Take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.